Hello, everybody, and welcome to Indie Cult, the podcast where we discuss the struggles and learning experiences of independent artists and creative minds. I am George, and today I am joined by... Raul Contreras. Hello, George. Hello. It's funny how your the name you use in the audio is different from like your written name. Let's do that again. You know? Pause for five seconds. You want to do it again? No, no, no. I'm joking. <laughs> okay. It's completely fun. <laughs> <laughs> we could. Yeah, you could still you you could still use my the name that you use on the podcast and still. It's leave funny. This it's part. like you have you have a pen name, I guess, but but it's literally only when it's written. I have four names. Like when you speak, you use a different name. I have four names, and it's hard to keep track of all of them. But um, what's up, man? Just, uh, you know, working, grinding, quarantining, you know, all that good stuff. What about you? Same thing, quarantining, trying to stay sane, and watching a lot of stuff, TV shows and movies. What have you been watching? So I don't know why. I went on vacation with um, my girlfriend, Taylor, a few, uh, actually two weeks ago at this point or a week ago, I don't remember. And while we were there... We got sucked into watching uh, Temple of Doom on TV. Like it was just really late at night and we were just bored and we couldn't go to sleep. So we started watching that. And for some reason, I don't know why, for some reason, I just got into this weird mood to watch the Avengers movie, um, specifically Endgame, for no reason other than I just want to see a bunch of action and ridiculousness on TV. And so when we got back... um. We just we watched Avengers Endgame, and then after that we watched the first Avengers, and then after that we watched Age of Ultron, and then we watched Infinity Wars just to complete the whole thing, and then we randomly watched Doctor Strange after all of that. It's an interesting order, but it's almost like a, f- a flashbacks. It is. I mean, I mean, again, I just wanted to watch it just because, just action, and I wanted to shut my brain off for a while. But after watching Endgame, I was like, these movies are still pretty good like they they have a good storyline they're convoluted but it's not like other superhero movies that are really convoluted and and what pops to mind is the dark knight rises because i watched that recently too but um they're good movies and what i like about them is that and before i used to just go to marvel movies for the for the same reason that i stated before just to watch an action movie keep up with like the times and everything and I'm watching them and they have their own really great style, you know, they have good actors and they're all things I knew before, but for some reason I'm just like approaching it with this new lens, like they're, they're good movies, you know? Um, and, uh, again, coming off of watching The Dark Knight Rises, which I think is, it's a good movie, but it's so convoluted and it's so overly complicated for like no reason. Well, why don't you go into why you think The Dark Knight Rises is so overly complicated for no reason? I mean, like, if you think about the actual story and the outline, I mean, if I remember correctly, it goes, um, you have Bane who kidnapped the scientist, switched the blood out to make it seem like he died in an airplane accident for God knows what reason. And then after that, uh, you meet up with Bruce Wayne and you're introduced to Catwoman who's stealing Bruce Wayne's stuff just to get his fingerprints so that Bane can then go to the stock market, use his fingerprint to buy a bunch of stocks. For some reason, that's how it works in this movie. They make uh, Bruce Banner, I mean, Bruce Banner, 
here I am mixing everything. They make Bruce Wayne go completely broke, and they basically bankrupt the well, company well, well, just well, so that. All, but, but wait, wait, wait. Uh, Marion going. Yeah. Keep in mind, the Dark Knight Rises, I guess, takes place in the near future, right? Right. Because it's eight years after the Dark Knight, so that's that might be why the fingerprint thing. It's like a sci-fi-ish element, right? To it, fine. But then you have Bane who banks her up the company so that um, the actress Marion Cotillon, the the one from um, Inception. Tali Al Ghul. Yeah. So that she can take over the board just so then she can use the board to somehow reactivate the nuclear reactor that's underneath everything, which is its own side plot that you're not really, that you're introduced to like with a bunch of exposition. And then even though she has control over the board, Bane still uses his muscle to take over the board himself. And then from there, you have Batman trying to regain his strength and everything. It's just this really convoluted thing where they could have just cut a lot of that out and just had Bane take over the board, even though Talia is still sitting on the board. It was just like this weird stuff. And there's so much exposition throughout that entire movie. There's this one scene where Catwoman... Uh, breaks into this rich guy's house, the guy who originally hired Bane, apparently, to to do all of what he was doing. And Catwoman is literally, uh, like, she has her heel to the neck of this guy. Do you remember that scene where, like... Yeah, I, rem- I remember. And she, after a bit of dialogue, she, like, throws him onto the floor, and she's on top of him, and, it, it like, really threatening him and everything. And out of nowhere, he just, she's like, where is it? And this guy goes into this long diatribe in like a few seconds to be like, oh, the clean slate, the thing that you've been looking for to like clean your record. Well, that doesn't exist anymore. And he goes on a little bit longer. And all of a sudden you're just like, what the fuck are you talking about at this point? Um, I mean, it, all, it, it makes sense. Like everything is explained to you. But in that one little piece of dialogue where his life is on the line, he decides to explain that entire thing. And the movie is just riddled with a bunch of exposition. And it's stuff that Christopher Nolan just does. If you watch Inception, it's just a bunch of just explaining. And the audience is uh, Ellen Page, essentially, who's learning everything. Right. That was that was the point of that character. Right. We needed somebody that everything could be explained to, somebody new who doesn't know what's going on. I think that's a very popular... Um, uh, strategy for storytelling is if you want to, if you have this already established world, you bring in a, an outsider character right. to function as the audience's kind of um, surrogate. Right. But it, there are people who do it subtly, and then there are people who just ask the questions throughout the movie in a very direct way. Well, what do you mean what happens when you reach this level of the dream? Well, you die and all these other things. And I, it, right. it, it it's and I think he's able to get away with it because his movies are just so big and pretty complex that you know people are 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 distracted by all the bells and whistles so that they don't really have to focus on on the character or, or well the, the, explanation. the thing is with inception though you have all that um incessant explaining and yet there are still people who couldn't follow what was going on exactly that that was also very frustrating i think most people were debating the ending to that movie and everything 
Well, the ending is supposed to be open, but I know people who said that they, they didn't know what the hell was going on. Like, especially when they started going deeper in the dream and deeper in the oh, dream, right. they said they completely lost track of what was happening and who was at which level. Like, I personally didn't think it was difficult to follow. I mean, I, there is a lot going on. It's definitely yeah. a type of movie where you have to pay attention. If you're not paying attention, you could miss out on very important stuff. Um, but right. maybe it's just some people's style of watching where they're not super focused on the movie. They're kind of looking at their phone or thinking about other things. And that's a movie where you get lost if you're not right. paying attention. When th that reminds me, when I was in high, that that movie came out while I was in high school, I think a senior, and I remember watching it and just being like, "Wow, that was really well done! Like that's such a good freaking movie." And I think at the time I was distracted by all the bells and whistles and stuff, and and also the sequences. Like you got to give him credit for like the action sequences in that movie, especially in the hallway. But um, I I remember talking to a teacher of mine who that last year of my high school career had started a film class and he was like would you be interested like do you want to join and a few of my friends joined he exposed us to a bunch of different movies but i remember going up to him being like you have to watch this movie and he was like oh, i'll go watch it this weekend he watched and he comes back to to class on on monday and he goes roll can i talk to you for a second yeah that movie was such trash. He was just like, it was blah, blah, blah. And I was like, really? You don't like it? He was like, it was entertaining, but it's terrible. And he was just like, if you want a good movie that'll blow your mind in the same way as Inception and in an even better way, in a way that's a lot more grounded, he was like, you have to watch uh, Open uh, uh, open Your Eyes, Abre Los Ojos, which is a, a Spanish movie that then became uh, 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 a, a Latin latinx movie that later became uh a remake with tom cruise called vanilla sky both of them feature oh, penelope that's cruz vanilla sky yeah so so the original <laughs> i didn't know that was a remake actually yeah the original it might be a remake by the i don't think it's the same director it might be, i think penelope cruz is the only one who appeared in both and mm. that movie does a really good job at without exposition there's there's a a a, a lot of exposition exposition at the end but even then the exposition that you're given is isn't straightforward like you're still unsure i can get into let, let me just talk about the summary real quick so um the original movie is called Avres los ojos and in the movie there's this really handsome guy young man in spain and um he's always worried about his looks think about american cycle like applying the the makeup and everything and one day he gets into a car accident and he becomes very disfigured and throughout the movie he's like looking for surgeries to help him out and he, he you think he finds one at a certain point but you realize there are a bunch of hallucinations that are occurring in the middle of the movie and you don't know what the hell is going on and it's a very surreal movie um, and then, uh, can I spoil it? I guess you can tell folks to spoil. Do you mind if I spoil it? I mean, I would probably say it's better not to spoil it okay. just because I might want to check it out. Yeah. So the ending is sort of similar to Inception where you're sort of left with this, what the hell happened? Like, is this the ending that I think it really is or is it to interpretation? It has that sort of ending. And it's very good because it, because it also plays with bending reality and everything. Um, 
and it's just a really good movie and it's not done with like the overblown budget of inception and you still get to the same sort of idea i mean the themes are a little different but you're still playing with the same sort of space if that makes sense um and that movie was well done very little exposition at the end and even then the exposition still leaves you hanging a little bit um but the thing with christopher nolan is he's a he's a great director he can he can get things on he he can get a great image and and really get action sequences down but i feel like the writing with his new stuff uh with only inception i'll say and and the dark knight rises because it's unfair to say that his other stuff doesn't have good writing but inception and the dark knight rises just has a very convoluted storyline a lot of exposition for virtually no reason like a lot of what was said could have been shown right so are you are you feeling that inception doesn't hold up upon uh, a second watch when you're no because you're you're kind of saying that you're kind of dazzled by the spectacle the first time and you're saying the second time it doesn't it doesn't hold up is that what you're saying i think not that it doesn't hold up I, I'm still very impressed by what you see on 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 on, uh, on TV by that movie, you know, on film. Um, like I said, he does a good job at all of that. I'd say the writing, if you focus on the actual writing and what people are saying throughout these movies, including The Dark Knight Rises, because I loved that movie when it first came out. You start to realize a little bit, like once once you get away from the spectacle after a few watches, and you start actually listening to to the storyline a bit more, and and you stay focused on what the characters are saying throughout. Not saying that I didn't do that before, but I was just like, the writing could be better, you know, like the there everything's getting explained to me, like I'm some sort of child, you know. But I think that probably has to do with the fact that that it, they are they are very complicated right. stories. I mean, Inception. I don't know. I feel like Inception is by nature complicated, like that that story that he came up with. I don't know really how you could really mainstream or like simplify it. I mean, right. you could. You could do a story about dreams and dreams within dreams that are simpler, but it would be vastly different. Mm-hmm. The Dark Knight, yeah, you could probably go a more simple route like the two previous films, like right. Batman Begins and The Dark Knight were not really that complicated, whereas The Dark Knight Rises was much more complicated than the previous two. Um, And, you know, I'm pretty sure, if I'm not mistaken, I think the Joker was supposed to be in The Dark Knight Rises or what eventually became The Dark Knight Rises, but Heath Ledger's passing derailed the plans for the movie. So if Heath Ledger was not dead, we could have gotten a vastly different third Batman from Christopher Nolan. Right, that's totally true. But the guy still had a few years in between because didn't... He had a Dark Knight came out in 08 and then in in 2012 is when The Dark Knight Rises came out. Yeah, I think it was 2005 for Batman Begins, 2012 for The Dark Knight and then, oh no, no, sorry, 2008 for The Dark Knight and 2012 for for Rises. I think that's right. Yeah. Right. His other movies are good. Dunkirk, still a great movie. Same with Memento. All of those movies are still really good. And even his, his original movie, Following... Have you ever watched that? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've it, seen that. It was yeah. it was very good, and he apparently filmed that over the course of a few years or a year. I think it was five. I think five it, years? it was a few years. Yeah, I think he did it like for like a ridiculously low budget, 
like like a few thousand dollars. Right. Like he just rented a, a a camera and just like shot it over the course of a long time. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, um, I will say though about Dunkirk something, um, even though I did like Dunkirk, um, one thing that, that he did as, as, a, as a, as a creative choice that kind of prevented me from liking the movie more is this kind of intentional disassociation that you had from the characters. Right, right. Like for me, for me to really, really care about the story, I first and foremost need to care about the characters. Right. And in order to care about the characters, you need to get to know the characters, which is something that does not happen in Dunkirk intentionally. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I get the the um, I, I get the reasoning. It's like you're kind of being thrown into the trenches with these people. It's like in a real war. Sometimes you're just like stuck with the person that's with you and you don't know yeah. them and they don't know you and you're just interacting with people. And he creates this really great atmosphere of futility, right? Just when right. you think that they escaped, oh no, shit hits the fan again and they haven't escaped and it just never ends. It's like a nonstop action almost, kind of like uh, Mad Max Fury Road. It's like there's no breaks. And just when yeah. you think there is a break, it picks back up again. Um, and that's that's great. And it's a great atmosphere and it's a, it's a very different way to do a war movie. But if I, I found myself in certain times not being that interested if they got away or not, because I'm like, I don't know this guy. I don't know. Should I? Why should I care about him? You know, whereas most war movies allow you to connect with the characters. Right. And I've heard that. I have heard that a few times when um, when the movie first came out. I think that was one of the main criticisms it received. Right. That you're not attached to anyone. And and you're totally right. And at the end, there you don't really feel like anything was resolved, which was intentional. It was different. It was different. And he still did a great job with a lot of the imagery, I I think. Mm -hmm. Um, But kudos to him for trying something new at that point. Um, I always compare that movie to what's that movie that came out in 1918? Yeah. Yeah. 1918. And I thoroughly enjoyed that movie, but he he did that thing. They they, They both work with time, right? especially since 1918 is all you know made to look like it's happening in one shot but i think to your point uh 1918 was sam mendez right or was it someone else yeah yep. no it was sam mendez he he did a really good job at sort of building that connection with characters quickly especially uh the main character's partner um spoiler alerts yeah. you know he passes away and it hits hard. Like it hits hard when it happens on screen. Yeah. He, he passes away pretty early in the movie. Yeah. I don't, it, it's a little bit of a spoiler, I guess, cause it's somewhat unexpected. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he passes away uh, quickly in the movie. That was so gut wrenching and it was, it was really well done. Um, but going back to, to the dark Knight rises and every, everything, um, you know, when I, after I watched all that, I went to, I started watching the Marvel movies, the Avenger movies, and those do a really good job at creating their own style. I, I, you know, I've said this before. I'm not a huge Marvel fan. I won't go out and watch every single Marvel movie that comes out. But I think starting with uh, even the Incredible Hulk and Iron Man, they did a really good job at creating an atmosphere that the complete opposite atmosphere that DC was creating at the time, which was dark and just downbeat to creating the sort of like 
their movies are shot almost like comedies because they are in certain respects funnier than than dc movies um but their storylines are actually very good and they they keep up with the times like iron man with iraq and everything um so i enjoyed them and they're not they, they don't contain they contain exposition but i think a lot of it is carried by the characters themselves and what they think about the world and why they're doing certain things especially thanos um who i think is one of the best villains yeah yeah Yeah. Uh, i was just gonna say though i think they're also helped by like by the time you really get to the more complicated stories like like endgame i guess is more complicated than any of the other avengers right. but that's because it's built on so many other movies it's yeah. like you're told a complicated story over the course of 2021 20, films right. rather than trying to tell like imagine if they did the whole mcu <laughs> in one movie that yeah. would be like a christopher nolan where everybody's just explaining everything to yeah. everybody you know yeah. But they had the luxury of, of doing it over the course of, of many films so that right. you kind of slowly built up to Endgame where you could follow it clearly without having to spend a lot of time explaining everything. Which is so it, – it, it's so good that they took all that time to, to make them. And I was actually pretty – I was I was pessimistic. I was like at a certain point one of these movies is going to bomb and they're just going to cancel everything they have lined up. Like that was my view of it. But – um they've just become so freaking popular over the years because they've done every single movie in a pretty most of their movies are pretty good oh i also saw thor ragnarok for the first time and i thought that was a fantastic movie i I was actually really impressed by that it was the first time i watched it but they do a good job at doing those standalone movies as opposed to dc they went from man of steel they saw that um marvel had their shit together by the time Uh, the Avengers movies were coming out and they were just like, you know what? We need to do a Justice League movie. And then they rushed to make that. And it was, it wasn't that great. Um, But I am looking forward to the Zack Snyder cut. So. Yeah, me too. For, for at the very least, even if it's not good, at the very least, we're going to see the movie that we were supposed to see, like the movie that was actually being made, you know? Right. Um, And I think it's important for, for better or worse, for an artist to to complete their vision and put it out in the world the way he intended, you know. Yes, definitely. Um, I'm excited for that. Uh, he he hasn't released a movie since then, right? Nope. No. Um, well, he. Re- I mean, you know, Justice League, the the version that was out in theaters, was still credited as being directed by him, even though most of it yeah. was not his footage. Um, but yeah, he hasn't. He, no, he hasn't done anything else since then. No. But that wasn't that long ago. And, you know, he's been dealing with a family tragedy yeah. as well, which I'm sure has uh, hindered him creatively as well. Yeah. Um, right. He's supposed to release a zombie movie, I think, on Netflix. Yeah, I saw that. He is supposed to release a zombie movie to I'm, Netflix. I'm surprised, and we spoke about this briefly a while ago, but um, I'm surprised that his first movie was Dawn of the Dead. I didn't realize that was his first movie as a as a director. Before that, I think he was just doing commercials for some sort of agency or something. And um, yeah, I think I think yeah, I think that's right. I think like commercials and music videos or something like right, that. Right. Yeah. Right. And then he made Dawn of the Dead and just blew up from there. He even made that sort of owl movie where there were owls that were like. Yeah, the, it was know. like the only animated movie. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that was impressive. That should give a lot of people hope. I think he was like, 
close to 40 by the time he made his first movie, I think. Dawn of the Dead or mid 30s. I, I think um I think I think it was a pretty good remake. Um I I, I like the original more, mm-hmm. of course. Um but I think it's a pretty intense movie and I think it, I think I think it was good for 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 like the zombie genre. Um apparently the studio had cut his funding at some point because they felt like the zombie genre was like dying and there wouldn't be much, much interest in the movie. Yeah. So uh, I think he ended up having to make it for less money than he was originally told it was going to be. Um, but, but yeah, I, I mean, he's had, um, yeah, he, he blew up fairly quickly. He did that movie and I think that was successful and that allowed him to, to grow and do a lot more. Um, it's kind of like um, the director of, of, of Lights Out, um, David F. Sandberg. Oh, right, right. He did, he, he, did, he did the short film, which went viral. And then Warner Brothers invited him to Hollywood. And then they were like, we want to do the movie version. So he did that. And ever since then, he's almost like been their new darling because they gave him Annabelle Creation to do. Mm-hmm. And then they gave him Shazam to do. So they gave him, after one feature film, they decided that did well. They decided, hey, let's give him um, the reins to, or let the yeah. reins, but you know, the reins for a single installment in in two of our biggest franchises, right? You know, which is which is pretty good. That's like an overnight life changing event. His his short films on uh, on YouTube, they don't really have a full resolution. They're not fully developed stories, but they still freak me out for some reason. Like I'll watch them late at night and I won't be able to sleep. It's yeah, it's yeah, he's he's really good at that and and you know, he's got he's got some special effects background so he's able to easily do like small special effects stuff to really like right. boost the production value. You know, they don't look cheaply done the the effects. I mean, it's they're very simple, but they don't look cheap. And um yeah, they're very simple. It's just him and his wife, very DUI. Um it's funny cuz he also posts like behind the scenes yeah. videos of like how he made it and it's just like very basic stuff. Like you could shoot a lot of what he's shooting with like stuff you might even have around the house or things yeah. you can easily get on Amazon that are not very expensive, you know? It's just a matter of knowing how to use what you have. Right. And he's like, look at this Ikea light that I got for like 30 bucks. And that's how I did the lighting for this short movie. And his stuff always goes yeah. viral, you know? I'm like, he and his wife just continue churning out these things and they're pretty good. Oh. Well, he, now it's now it's easier because he's famous. Right. But... He got Lights Out went viral when he wasn't anybody. And Lights Out is not that diff. The short film version, I'm saying, is not very different from what he's doing now. It's still the same methods, still the same techniques, still the same style of short filmmaking. You know, so it just goes to show you that you don't know what could happen. Like, you could just get really fucking lucky. You just got to keep doing it and keep working. He went from being a nobody to being, um, I guess, one of Warner Brothers' biggest directors right now. Right, and I, I think that story is pretty common where folks do the short film first for something that they had, uh, for an idea that they had for a feature-length film uh, that they later go on to make, right? So, for instance, like Paul Thomas Anderson, when he made his short film Cigarettes and Coffee, it was the precursor to uh, Sydney or, or Heart 8. And that short film is still really good if you watch it you're just like wow he had his style down very early um because you see it just has paul thomas anderson written all over it when you watch it um 
same with actually when he was young and he 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 made the movie uh, he made his short film like the story of kirk diggler what was the the name of the porn star from uh boogie nights uh dick diggler right yeah yeah so he made he made a short a very short movie on like a vhs tape or something when he was young and it was the precursor to what later became uh, uh boogie nights uh and you could actually watch it on like the special features and he's just like this He's he's a little kid making this movie about a porn star and his dad's in it too just just to like support him and stuff. Um and then the other the other director, I forget his name, uh the the person who made Whiplash and La La Land. Oh, uh Damien Chazel. He couldn't get the funding for Whiplash, so he made a short movie right. first and then it became Whiplash and that was just an amazing movie in and of itself. Um, so, so there are a lot of yeah, stories I believe, like that. I believe he, he, he made the short film version, submitted to Sundance. Right. Um, it blew up at Sundance and he was able to get funding for the feature. And, and um, J.K. Simmons played the same role in yeah, both. Yeah. He was in the short film version and he was in the feature film version. It's a, gr- it's a great movie, incredible movie. It's, I think it's one of the best movies from the last few years. Yeah. yeah. Great movie. So good. Granted, he maybe had a bit more resources to get jk simmons in there but still short movie led to a feature length film you know yeah uh, yeah i mean uh, you know it look when you have when you have any kind of money behind you it makes things easier i think i mean the talent is there i'm not taking that away to be very clear the talent is there but having money to hire the best actors and the best crew that you can really helps a lot you know uh I don't remember if we spoke about this before, but Lena Dunham got a lot of heat online because some some person uh, retweeted this really old article about um, how when she first pitched the show Girls, she had a half page of a pitch just summarizing uh, the storyline and the characters and I think the script to one episode, or maybe it was even just a half a page of a synopsis that she gave to HBO and HBO gave her like the show of her life. And it was that sort of came up during this whole um, during in the context of, you know, black lives matter. And there were a lot of um, I would say black and brown folks who, who are fighting for representation in film and television. And so that was the, the sort of peak example of white privilege for a lot of people. And it is at the end of the day, I agree with that. Um, but wait, she, I'm sorry. What, what, what I'm sorry. I, I I think I didn't follow some of that. What was the example of white privilege? Uh, Lena Dunham having submitting a half a page of a synopsis to HBO to 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 oh, create just the, the show mere Girls. fact that all that's all she had to do is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. And for a lot of folks, there were a lot of stories of folks that are well established in the entertainment industry now that were like, when I had to do this, I had to give, uh, I, I had to give them a whole season. Plus, give them a summary of what was going to happen for the next three seasons after that. You know. Well, I thought I thought that what you just said, at the very least, I think you're supposed to. My understanding, of course, I've never done it, but my understanding is that you do have to provide um, an outline of the entire season. Yeah. And I also think you're supposed to provide a couple of episodes written, I believe, or at the yeah. very least outlined. Um, how is it? How is it that she was able to only? get by with just the outline i think part of it is the fact that she had made the movie tiny furniture before that which was the precursor to to the movie to the show girls like her character is very similar 
and she did that on her own. Now, again, another example of privilege in the industry. She was able to do that with like $65,000 that her mom gave her. Um, and it's weird because a lot of people use that example of like, oh, you can make it in the film industry. Like all you need is a DSLR. Look at Lena Dunham. She did it. But behind the scenes, she's getting $65,000 from her mother, who's like a famous artist. Yeah. She made that movie. Um, and then she pitched the idea to HBO and they picked it up. So I think it's because of that movie and because of how well it was received at the time. But yeah, I, I'm a fan of the showgirls. And uh, I like the movie Tiny Furniture. But it does show you just how, like, the show is just very white and very it, it does not capture a good representation of what new york city is like although i will argue that i think there's a reality out there especially if you're living on the upper i used to live on the upper east side and i know people who just lived in that world where it was just like a lot of white people hanging out together and that's it uh so that t type of new york city unfortunately exists but it's still it was a very gentrified version of New York City and it was kind of it's messed up I think when she she was receiving that criticism a lot where there weren't a, any black and brown actors in her show so I think in the fourth or fifth season she decided to cast um uh, uh Donald Glover to be her boyfriend for a few episodes and then after that it was sort of like done with and I was just like what the hell you know but whatever my point is so, um yeah yeah my bad my point is that uh, there are some, like we were just talking about privilege and how that guy was able to get the resources and stuff. That was Lena Dunham's story and that happened recently. Yeah. Going back to, to what you had said about, um, the D, you know, all you got, all you need is a DSLR. I mean, that, that's something that I've said in the past on this show in that that's all you need to just get started. You know, yeah, if, if you're interested in filmmaking and, and being creative in a visual medium, maybe it's photography, maybe it's whatever it is. Um, you don't need anything super crazy. Like all you need is your phone yeah. nowadays to get started. And, and then you can slowly start building towards something bigger and greater. And I, yeah, I agree that you can't really compare, Right. oh, all you need is a DSLR. Look at this person that did it. Meanwhile, they had $65,000 to play with. That changes things a lot. Yeah. Just because she still used a DSLR to do it doesn't mean that she didn't also spend another $655,000 for anything else that she that was, needs. Um, yeah. That that yeah. was that was you my can't, You can't do a feature film properly with just a DSLR and nothing else. Right. You can start, you can do like a short film maybe if it's just you and your friends and you kind of do like David F. Sandberg, you could do something like that for sure. Right. But when you're talking about a full movie, you need to have some sort of, you need something a little bit more than that. Right. And to, I, to do it. And I didn't want to, I didn't want to make it seem like that was sort of, that's sort of out of reach. I was, what I meant was a lot of people were using, especially at the time, Lena Dunham as the example of, hey, you can now make it in the film industry because she made that movie. But I do think that these days. Well, $65,000 is nothing really compared to, compared yeah. to yeah. That's like, right. that's not even low budget. That's like no budget, truth right. be told. But it's still something. Like, it's still a good chunk of money that you can put to good use if you know how to use it. Right. Um, but I do think that, like you said, you know, these days you can use very limited resources to do something good, right? To make something really good. Uh, that'll end up kickstarting your career like 
I'll, I'm sure there are a ton of examples out there. I mean, y- you just named the the person who did Annabelle uh, in the Shazam movie got started like that. Uh, granted, he did have a bit more resources, but he's still showing you that you can do it with l- very limited resources. Um, but yeah, yeah, that was a big controversy. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Honestly, like I've never seen Girls. Um, I know, I know, it was a very popular show on HBO, but I've I've never seen it. I can't really speak too much on on what exactly it was like. Mm-hmm. Um, but the the idea that it's a really white show, I've heard that before. It is. Um, um it's like but, it's like about like white rich people in Manhattan, right? Like white rich kids in Manhattan, something like it, that. It's weird because it's. I, you don't get the sense that they're rich, but you certainly get the sense that they're privileged. So, and they try to make it seem like they're not, but it's hard to disassociate from that. I mean, the first episode literally opens with um, Lena Dunham's having a, um, a dinner with her parents at a restaurant, and they're talking about cutting her off financially. Um, and she just talks about, she's just like, you know, but what about me? I'm focusing on my writing. Like I need help and all that stuff. And then the rest of the show is sort of following her and her friends trying to make it in New York city, but also trying to figure out what they're doing with their lives, right? Like they have all these dreams and aspirations and they're realizing that it's harder to achieve those things. But as they're doing that, (laughs) as they're working in like coffee shops and like as a receptionist at some art forum, uh, they're living in a big ass apartment in manhattan and you're just like how the hell are they paying for this yo (laughs) like you know um but that that's almost like every like friends was like that too right like they're always talking about they don't have money but they have like really nice apartments that they stay in right friends was doing the same thing it's just you need a big set right that's a little bit of let's suspend reality for a second so we can have a nice set for the show right i think it was easier to suspend reality with friends back in when was that the late 90s (laughs) In New York City? Yeah, right. to early 2000s, yeah. Right. Um, and uh, again, I like the show because I think I grew up with a sister who who had a hard time like finding a job right out of college and all that stuff. And I just remember seeing her experience trying to figure out what she wanted to do. It was right after 08. And I feel like her or around 08. And I feel like her experience was like, what the hell am I doing here? You know, and trying to really figure stuff out. Um, and I also think that Lena Dunham is a very funny writer in, in many ways. She does sort of uh, channel that Woody Allen humor. But yeah, I, I, it's weird because now you have uh, the show Insecure with Issa Rae. And I like that show too. Mm-hmm. And I think she does a better job at capturing a bit more of a realistic experience, especially when it comes to... Uh, trying to figure out what you're doing, finances and all that stuff. Uh, she does a really good job and she's hilarious. Um, uh, so I also watch Insecure. I'm actually trying to, f- in the middle of finishing the fifth season. But um, it, that's also a good show and it really captures a different perspective, a perspective that was lost in uh, the show Girls. I haven't seen that show either, so I yeah. can't really comment <laughs> on it either. That's all right. Uh I guess there's just something out there for everybody, right? Yeah. So I was just scrolling through Twitter and one of the um, film tweeters that I follow had uh, retweeted this this short video of, um, of, uh, wow, Cameron, James Cameron, um, basically, uh, what do you call it, narrating or just... uh, 
what do you call it? They have that feature on DVDs. The the he's just giving a voiceover. Director's over. commentary. There you go. He's giving a director's commentary on the scene in which the helicopter is chasing the armor vehicle that um Arnold that the Terminator and Sarah Connor and and uh it's a great action sequence. But as he's talking about it, he reveals that the action took place like they really shot all those things uh for real so like there there are scenes where the helicopter's literally going under a bridge and going over a bridge at a certain point but but he just misses it by like probably a few feet and it's just these crazy stunts that are taking place in real like in real life just to capture it on film and he says he was like most the film crew said that they weren't going to do these stunts because they were too dangerous and so they walked off so it was just him and the stuntman in, in the helicopter plus whoever was driving the car and it's just like so crazy that people would do that you know i mean wh- what was your take what was your impression of that i can understand a film crew saying like this is really dangerous i'm not i don't want to be involved in that um i think james cameron especially at that time was still coming from the uh just guerrilla style filmmaking um mindset like i know that the first terminator was shot very guerrilla style like they would shoot at at really late at night like 3 a.m when no one's around and they would just shoot and and you know they wouldn't get permits and they would just shoot when nobody was around (laughs) and i think he was still in those days he still fought that way where it's like okay like i want to shoot this helicopter nobody's around let's just shoot it you know (laughs) Like, I think he still was in that in that headspace yeah. of like, why not? Let's just shoot it. Crew doesn't want to do it. So what? I've, I've shot without a crew before. I'm going to shoot it. I want to shoot this helicopter. You know, um, would I do it? I, I don't know. I'd probably be too scared <laughs> to do it considering like, uh, especially like if you hear about, um, there have been accidents on movies where people have died before on, on with helicopters, namely uh, the Twilight the Zone movie. The Twilight Zone. Yeah. 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 You know about that? Yeah. Um, there was a helicopter accident in the Twilight Zone movie. Uh, uh, people died. Um, so I probably wouldn't want to. I'd be like, helicopter? Forget it. Let's not do a helicopter. You know, it's really cool. <laughs> it's really cool. Would the movie have sucked without it? Probably not, you know? Probably not, right? <laughs> right? Yeah, like, I mean, it's a, it's a great sequence. It's a phenomenal sequence. Imagine they shot that and he was just like, we have to cut that out. There's no space in the movie for it. Can you imagine if we <laughs> yeah. had to cut no. it? That'd be great. That'd be that'd be crazy. The the other thing is, uh, I love how. First of all, he, they're they're just talking about what's taking place during this scene, and uh, James Cameron just casually says, "Yeah, we shot that. Like that actually happened." And he's just like about to just continue on with like his commentary. And whoever's talking to him is just like, wait, you you shot that for real? He's like, yeah, we sh- we shot that for real. And like he was just about to just casually go on to talk about something else. And the guy was like, wait, but what do you mean? That's really a helicopter that's flying underneath that bridge? He's like, yeah, it was just me and uh, the guy in the helicopter. The whole crew walked off, you know, <laughs> it was just oh, really. Oh, but wait, 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 the whole crew walked off. Is that because of that? Because of that yeah. sequence? Because like, of the they sequence. were like, we're not doing this, right? Yeah, he said he was just like, uh, the rest of the crew didn't want to do it, so they left. And he was just like, so it was just me and like probably two other people plus the guy in the helicopter who did this. And and he said that the guy in the helicopter was like, let's do this. Let's go. 
Well, I guess when you got the the pro uh, helicopter pilot who's like, yeah, let's do it. I mean, I guess that gives you a little bit of confidence. Like, okay, if he, if he says he could do it, let's do it. For real. Who am I to question the pilot? That guy's career is set. Imagine we later find out that that pilot also did the Twilight Zone movie. That would be terrible. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> That's how he got hired. So, They're like, oh, he was in the Twilight Zone movie. We should hire him. <laughs> so how how we're we're in this we've been in this quarantine for how many months now five months yeah it's been five months right almost i think yeah half the year has gone like that Jeez, but so so about five months and how's your how are you doing like your creative itch are you do you want to get back out there and continue making stuff or are you uh are you writing more like what's what's going on in your head well, yeah, I'm definitely writing more because that's that's basically um, the best thing that I can do right now. But yeah, I'm, I'm dying to, to get back out there. I was supposed to shoot a short film in April, still waiting to do that. Um, I, I'm slowly starting to see if that's something that could possibly be done in the near future just by like reaching out to people and just seeing where everybody is. I wouldn't want to ask anybody to do anything they're not comfortable with, of course. Um, but yeah, I'm, 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 I'm really ready to, to get back out there and, and start shooting yeah. film again. That's good. And how are, uh, how are your friends doing? Evan? Is Evan, he... Evan, Evan's, Evan's antsy as well. He's ready to get back out there too. Um, but, yes. but, um, yeah, he's, we're also, you know, we're, we're both writing, we're both keeping busy creatively. Um, it was difficult at first, I think w- the first slump of the quarantine like really hits you and and you kind of just veg out on the couch a lot. But over the past, like that was only for like a couple months. I think over the past few months, I've been starting to be a lot more um, mentally and creatively active. That's good. Yeah. The, uh, I I wonder what's going to happen with the overall industry, right? Like obviously movies are getting pushed back and things i'm assuming budgets are getting tighter because you know movie theaters aren't you know getting uh, a lot of income um but i wonder what's going to happen to the industry as a whole like is there going to be a weird sort of slump in new movies that are created or are production companies going to be a lot tighter with what they're going to produce and stuff like that i'm just wondering what the effects are Beyond the fact that, hey, maybe there are going to be a few folks that create coronavirus-related movies, right? Like, oh, this was my oh, story under quarantine, you know? Yeah. The, I'm, I'm curious to see what the, uh, what, the, what the Academy Awards are going to look like. It looks like uh, Doolittle oh, right. and, and Bloodshot is going to win everything. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be strange unless they postpone it, you know? Um, yeah, I was wondering if maybe they'll do like 2020 and 2021 in one shot and like lump those yeah. two years together because... I mean, there's still some great movies that came out this year, but because of uh, theaters being closed, they went straight to streaming, like straight to on demand. And yeah. and if you don't have a theatrical run, you're not qualified for the Oscars. So I don't know if maybe they'll temporarily lift that just for this year, just so they have some more films to choose from. Um, because if they keep it, what has historically been the worst time of the year to release a movie, meaning January, February, March is going to become the be- was the best time to release a movie in 2020. <laughs> right. What do you what do you think about that rule? I think there's I think there's something to it. I think that 
I mean, at least historically, films have been made to be viewed in a cinema. I think especially with digital filmmaking becoming more prominent, um, that's changing a little bit. Um, something I've spoken about with on the podcast before, I think the move to digital filmmaking doesn't do as much for the movie theater experience as a real film projector projection does. Um, I, I think that watching movies from home is probably the most popular way people watch movies nowadays. And I think a lot of people prefer it over the theater. I'm a little bit on the fence about what the ruling should be for the Oscars. Um, mm-hmm. I think you can really convince me either way. I, I do think that movies that are fantastic are missing out because they didn't get a theatrical run for whatever reason, because it was a Netflix movie or or the producers of right. the movie just felt like streaming was the only option at the time, but it's, it turns out it's a fantastic movie. Mm-hmm. But I think that there's there's something to it being viewed in the theater. the The rule is the rule is weird because it's not even that it has to be a theatrical run. Specifically, it has to be a Hollywood. It has to be in Hollywood, like that. It has to run in that. Hollywood, even if it runs oh, wow. in everywhere else except for Hollywood. That's not good enough. It's got to be Hollywood. <laughs> it can only run in Hollywood. In fact, um, uh, the room. You know, the room. Tommy Wiseau's the room. Yeah. He made sure yeah. he paid a lot of money to have it run for the, that I think it sense. was one or two weeks minimum in Hollywood. So it would yeah. qualify. So that's all <laughs> it needs. I think that's a little funny. Like, why should it have to be Hollywood? Isn't it enough for it to be for maybe a certain amount of time in a theater somewhere? Like, why does it have to be Hollywood? Right. That maybe I could say, yeah, like, I don't know if that makes a lot of sense, but there, there, there's something about it being in the theater and having and the audience having the opportunity to experience it to experience cinema the the way it's supposed to be experienced i think having the movie have that opportunity exist for the movie is is something to think about it's not something that you could just i don't think it's something that we could just dismiss and say no right. it doesn't matter i think it matters the question right. is does it matter enough that's the question not whether or not it matters right. What do you think? I, I'm leaning more towards lifting it, because uh, I think there are more all more towards these, what? Which one? There are all these uh, lifting it, lifting uh, it. So it, it not it, having streaming could be okay. Yeah, only because yeah. I think there's so, like you said, there's so many good movies that are coming out, and who's to say that there isn't like an independent filmmaker who is able to put their movie on Netflix or even Amazon? Um, and they can't get it into that Hollywood theater, right? Um, although at that point, you probably have the resources to do it with these people backing you. But let's say you don't. I feel like it's an easy way to overlook. That being said, those requirements could be an easier way of sifting through the competition, right? Because um, there's just a ton of stuff that you could watch out there. That That's also a factor. Yeah, sure. Right. I guess it, it also depends on where you draw the line. Like service so if you're saying like streaming is okay so does that just mean reputable streaming services like netflix hulu and amazon because like what if i what if i make a movie and i put it on youtube like that's streaming it's available should my youtube movie count that's true it's weird i guess there would be other requirements like it has to be a length of at least 
x right and it has to blah 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 whatever um yeah. there are other requirements beyond that but um but you if, could you if, could do a short film and i'm not sorry not a short film you could do a feature film um that's terrible really cheap really shit that's 90 minutes right that's feature length no question about it and you could put it on youtube and then does that mean that you qualify for the oscars well, I mean, Tommy Wiseau did that with The Room, except he put it in Hollywood. So I feel like right. folks, would it, it would be easy to sift through bad shit, right? Like, if you get a submission for the Oscars and you're one on, on a streaming platform, streaming platform someone's going to watch it. Um, they're going to get the, what is it called? The um, Nomination? Uh, the nom- Not the nomination, but you know how they send DVDs to people's homes? Oh, the screeners. So that the screeners. They're going to send the screeners anyway. And I think most of the people that weigh into that watch the screeners rather than go to the movies to watch it. Um, and Yeah, definitely. I feel I like... Mean, yeah, yeah. Right. Definitely. But but I will say that I, I do think that the, the movie theater experience can't be replaced. Like going to a movie theater and being in an audience and experiencing a movie for the first time, especially when you're talking about... Um, things like Marvel movies, that is an experience in and of itself, right? Where you're watching everything and the audience, you're right, the energy. Even even during like the trailers and stuff, when you see a trailer that you didn't expect was going to be put into a movie, right? Folks go crazy. And I love that experience, Um, especially with horror movies too. Uh, But I do think if, if it was up to me today, I'd be like, lift it and let's think of other requirements that would go along with it just to to narrow the choices a little bit but i do i do think that folks are like you said watching at home more but i think also the way they're watching movies is changing too where they're either watching it in bits or they're watching it on their phone i don't know if i told you this or i probably did but our friend costa i was like hey you should watch there will be blood he goes oh i watched it so good he watched it on his iPhone and I was so upset by that, that later um, I, I found out that they were playing uh, There Will Be Blood with a live orchestra with Johnny Greenwood as the head of the orchestra uh, at a movie palace in Harlem. And so that was like the first time he actually watched the movie and he was like, all right, it makes a difference, right? But um, there are people who are watching stuff on iPhone and now you have this new st- streaming platform uh, Quibi, right? Where they're spending a ton of money for 10 minute content that you could have gotten on YouTube. It's just so strange how everything is working now. Yeah. The, the phone, I think David Lynch said, if you, if you watch a movie on your phone, as far as I'm concerned, you didn't watch the movie, you know, something like that. (laughs) Like he just completely dismisses it. It's like, it's like not even watching it. I mean, I think, I think there's a significant difference between your phone and your television. Like if you have if you have a, a large TV, like a 50-inch television or, or, you know, I mean, whatever, 40-inch, whatever. If you have a large television and yeah. you're not sitting like really far away from it, that's a good experience, I think, for the most part. Um, and I mean, yeah. you can you can you can do your home up um, where you can get a pretty good movie experience. Like if you do like a surround sound system or something like that, right. you can, you can have a really good home viewing experience, but your, your phone is way too small. It's never going to give you 
Yeah. That like I, when I watch things on my phone, I watch like yeah, like a YouTube video I'll watch on my phone, but I can't I can't watch a whole movie on my phone. There's Same. no way. There will be blood if I remember correctly is quite long. I don't I don't think I could sit on my phone I, holding my I phone in my hand watching there will be blood. He watched it in bits and I was so mad at oh, him in bits. after he I told me that. that. Yeah, he he would watch parts of it while he was going to sleep. I was like, "What?" I got so mad. Yeah, I had there was one time um I was hanging out with him and he said he wanted to start watching something. I don't remember what it was. And I looked at the time and I said like, "Oh, no, we can't watch this. We won't have time to finish it." And he goes, "So?" <laughs> and I was like, "What do you mean so? Like we're going to start it, we're going to finish it another day? Like no way. I can't do that. Let's do something else. It's quicker." I'll only do that with movies that I've watched, but I can't do that like I, I can't. I, no, I, even if I've watched it, I don't know. Like, I can't. I can't knowing. Like, if I've seen it, I maybe won't mind. Like, not finishing it for some reason. Like, if something comes up, I'll be like, all right, whatever. But if I know that I have an hour, and then I have to do something later, I'm not going to start a movie yeah. that's that's 90 minutes or two hours. Like, I know I'm not going to get through <laughs> the whole thing. Like, I can't. And sometimes it takes me a little bit of extra time because I might pause to use the bathroom or get something from the kitchen or some shit like that. So it's I know that I need at least at least the amount the runtime of the movie. Sometimes a little bit yeah. more just to have a cushion. <laughs> what if I gotta take a shit? Right. I'm holding my shit in because right. I can't fucking finish this movie now. <laughs> right. Kasi's just like, no, he'll 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 end it like right before Thanos snaps his fingers or something like. Yeah, that's, I'll be like, all right, I'll pick know. it up later. <laughs> no, the thing. This is this is just gonna. This episode is just shitting on Costa at this point. <laughs> the thing that annoyed me once was. I don't think he listens. So it's okay. We would be we would be in the movie theaters watching a movie, and he'll be like, the the middle of like a crucial scene. He'll be like, I gotta go use the bathroom, and then like he'll just go use the bathroom in the middle of the scene. And I'm like, are you like right now of all times? And then he'll get back and he'll be like, what happened? I was like, you got to watch the movie. I'm like, just, just watch <laughs> I, it. <laughs> I'm, I'm not here to fill you in because you walk out whenever you yeah. feel like it. <laughs> uh, I don't know um, if I've, I, I don't know if he's ever done that. I know he, I, he fell asleep once. We went to see The Force Awakens <laughs> and he knocked out. Oh, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like I a diehard like, Star Dude, Wars you're fan. sleeping during Star Wars. He, he, he had just come back from work. <laughs> he said he was exhausted, but he did. He like knocked out for, I don't know for how long. But I woke him up when I saw it because I know he doesn't want to sleep. I had a friend when I went to go watch uh, Infinity Wars in the movie theater. I had a friend who was just really, I think he was just feeling really sick that day. And he left to go to the bathroom for a very long time. And when he got back, he was just like, why is Spider-Man turning into dust right now? And I was like, yo, you do not know what the hell just happened in the last 30 That's minutes like of this movie. That's like the worst time. I, I have a, I, I, when, I, when I drink liquids, I use the bathroom like frequently. So whenever I know I'm going to a movie, I like, I like abstain from drinking anything for like two hours before because I don't want to <laughs> use the bath. I don't want to get up and use the bathroom. Yeah. If it's a movie I've seen before, it's like I know when I can get up and I think there's an app actually. If I'm not mistaken, there's an app. I don't remember what it's called, but basically like you input what movie you're watching and then it'll alert you when you're at like slow points. So it'll say like, nothing's going to happen for five what? minutes. You can go <laughs> use the bathroom now, you know? <laughs> People think of everything. Yeah, I, I can't remember what it's called, but that that's an app I've heard about that, that, it, that it does that. That's crazy. Like two or three nights ago, we were watching um, uh, Dr. Strangelove. 
I hadn't watched it in a long time and I was just blown away by it again. Like I was just like, this is the acting on from Peter Sellers and everyone else in that movie for this. The storyline is pretty simple if you think about it. Some guy just loses it, decides to start a nuclear war with folks and like just chaos ensues, right? And just ridiculous people are in the room doing stupid things and saying stupid things. It is such a good, funny movie. And it's shot brilliantly too. Like it's still that Stanley Kubrick vibe when it comes to directing and the the comedy aspect is a little different than the stuff that you're usually introduced to when you think of Stanley Kubrick and stuff. Um, but it was just, a, it was such a great movie and I can't get enough of it. You want to hear something? Uh, oh man, I can't remember which actor it was. It might've been Peter Sellers. He told him to, um, he told him to ham up his performance, um, just for the practice takes. Because Peter Sellers didn't... I think it was Peter Sellers. God, I might have to check that. I think it was Peter Sellers. It was one of the actors on Dr. Strangelove. He told him to ham up his performance. and um, But Peter Sellers didn't want to do it so hammy. But but Kubrick was like, just do it like once or twice for like the practice takes. And then yeah. we'll do it for real after. But then he used the hammed up practice the takes. Because pr- <laughs> Peter Sellers didn't want to do it so like animated. Yeah. So he like tricked him into doing it the way he wanted him to do it. Right. It's just it, that acting, it, his his acting, Peter Sellers' acting, reminds me a lot of Gene Wilder, right? Um, yeah. Where he's, oh, I could see, he, I could see he, Gene Wilder could have easily like been played Doctor Strangelove. Right, and he it like both actors just take every role they get very seriously, like. Uh, Gene Wilder and Willy Wonka in the Chocolate Factory as well as Young Frankenstein they're very funny movies but his acting it, he's like a dramatic actor in those movies and he just happens to have these funny lines or like it, it just his yeah. seriousness adds another level of comedy to it right yeah um, it, yeah it, it's just brilliant stuff yeah he's good he's good at like he's not really a straight man but his demeanor almost indicates that he's the straight man, even though he isn't really. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, like you said, like he's very serious in these movies, even though they're completely absurd. He plays a serious character, but that is also fo- like even like Willy Wonka, right? He's like a, a cartoon yeah. of a person, but still he's like very serious in the things that he's saying absurd things, completely absurd things. But he's very serious in the way he says them. Like he takes it really seriously. Yeah. And and he has a, a lot of his humor in these movies are also dry and right. um and and sarcastic. So like for instance, in Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory when uh, when the little boy is about to like dig into the the chocolate river, he's just like, "No, wait, don't do that!" Right? And it's just like he just delivers that line so well in that yeah. very sarcastic tone. Well, you know? that's yeah, that's and, sarcasm, um, right? He's showing that he doesn't really care. Right? But he's like doing yeah. the, the worst <laughs> version of pretending to care. Right? <laughs> it's just really good stuff. He he's my favorite actor of all time. That's that man. That's been my quarantine life right now. That's good. Are, are you doing creative? Like you you've been writing. I know that. Uh, yeah, I've been writing a little bit. Like, I've been trying to do a feature, but I've been putting it on pause and sort of revisiting it every now and then. But I've been writing ideas and uh, writing shorts and stuff like that. Uh, but it's weird because you, you had mentioned how at the beginning it was hard for you to get into the creative flow when it came to writing. For 
you know, you said that, right? At the beginning. I, I said oh. like quarantine kind of took like a toll and I wasn't like able to kind of will myself to be creative. But over time, I slowly right. got back to, I guess I got accustomed to the quarantine life. So like I was able to kind of return to a more normal state of creativity. Yeah. Right. For me, it was it was sort of the opposite. I'm still writing and stuff, but not as aggressively as I was writing before. Um, and like before I was just writing everything and now I've sort of taken it a little more slowly. Um, but I'm still I'm still writing and and uh, and watching things. Uh, I, I find that YouTube is really inspirational when you look up short films that people are making for for nothing or you're looking for an idea for something and you're just like oh this seems a little out of reach when it comes to like lifting reality or, or you're explaining a lot just going on youtube and seeing short movies of any kind um helps to keep the blood flowing and also reading reading scripts is helpful too when you're when you're reading other people's stuff um so that's sort of that's what i've been doing lately yeah. i think it's also okay to to take a break and step away i think it also allows you to kind of look at it with fresh eyes. Um, I've noticed that for myself, especially right. like a lot of times when I step away from something that I've written for like a week, when I come back to it, it's almost like I'm reading something someone else wrote. I'm able to look at it a little bit more critically. I've detached from it a little bit. And it's good to, to, to work on other right. things too, because then you really kind of get a sense of what direction you're naturally going to. Right. Uh, oh, and the other thing is like, I got this... Uh, I think about a month or two ago, um, I got this, I really like Fuji cameras, um, and I like photography and stuff like that. I used to have a Canon camera and I used to do a lot of photography back in the day. Um, but I started leaning towards Fuji and they have this new Fuji that came out called the 100, um, the F100V. Um, and it's really good for street photography. You don't have to really think about the different lenses you want to use. Like it's a fixed lens and I want to get it. Um, but I've been holding back. And so I went on eBay and I found, uh, an XE2S with, with a lens, with a manual lens. It's, it's not even the automatic lens that's, that would be compatible with the camera. So I've been using that just for like street photography and stuff. And, that also helps amongst I love photography and just being able to like shoot a few photos and, and shoot knowingly like, you know, phones have cameras, but you're not always going to shoot with that sort of mindset on a phone, you know, uh, whereas if you have a camera, you're just like in that mode to like look for things and, and, and take good pictures. So I've been doing that and it's been really helpful, like just getting the creative juices flowing and, and, and getting preoccupied with other stuff. That's cool, man. That's good. Yeah. Well, that's great, man. And thank you for coming on the show. Uh, always welcome. Thank you, sir. So if you have any, not, well, not you, Raul. Now I'm, ta now I'm, ta I'm not talking to you anymore. Yeah. Now I'm talking to, 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 the, to, the, to the listeners or maybe it's just the ether. I don't know. Um, if you have any comments, <laughs> criticisms, concerns, questions, uh, contributions based on anything that we've talked about, please feel free to tweet at us at SpinningRealF on Twitter. I guess you can't tweet at us anywhere else. Uh, message us on Instagram at spinningrealfilms or email us at spinningrealfilms at gmail.com. That's spinningrealfilms, R-E-A-L, spinning, R-E-A-L, films. Uh, 
I'm really tired about of clarifying that every time, but that's what it is. <laughs> it's confusing. I didn't know I was going to do a podcast when we came up with that 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 name. <laughs> you want to plug your social? Uh, it's just uh, Raulito182. Uh, so R-A-U-L-I-T-O-182. On Twitter. On Twitter. Make sure you get that nice rolling R in there when you <laughs> type it out. And if you like the show, rate, review on Apple Podcasts. But most importantly, join the cult. Quitting me is an option, I find people Slaying this nervous mic, spitting on pins and needles The feeling is so cerebral, the message is now illegal I intended and insisted that this came from another stone bastard Sorry, I honor my honor, inflicted higher standards I painted struggle without using a brush of canvas I did it with the flavor, experiment is over But this data, still highly regarded in my favor Your girl feels casted away, my balls will sit I'm OJ in this beats, looking like Nicole Simpson Pain reminds me that I'm fighting, fighting reminds me that I want it Warning, it reminded me that you have it, that's the reason he's stuck Gotta raise that aromatic, my brother says I feel you man And he departs, crazy the voice in my mind is what you feel in your heart Conclusion, only the bright and lightning demons in the dark Let's go Soldier. This must be death, cause life only starts when the war's over.